I have learned that's super important for me in the morning to wake up and to have some time where I like have looked at my calendar and then I'm just walk through, you know, every meeting and I kind of visualize how I want to feel in the meeting and like how I want to, you know, come across that allows me to kind of go into, you know, each part of my day with a little bit more intentionality. I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. Now, for me, there's an implicit connection between slowing down and finding more meaning in your daily work. And the reason that one follows from the other has a lot to do with autonomy, with having the agency to conduct your day in the manner you choose. And most importantly, having the agency to use your time in the manner you choose. This is important because autonomy is an essential ingredient in motivation. In other words, it is very difficult to engage with your work, to find it fulfilling, to feel like it has meaning if you have no autonomy. I should note that I'm drawing on the research in Daniel Pink's wonderful book, Drive, here in which he argues that the three key ingredients in motivation are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And when we think about autonomy, and in particular, the ability to control how you spend your time at work, there's one key development that comes to mind for me. One tool that single-handedly contributed to a massive erosion of our individual autonomy at work. And that's the shared calendar which is at the heart of today's show. My guest is Julie Zhu, the VP of product design at Facebook and someone who is uniquely qualified to talk about this topic on two levels. Number one, she has worked inside the speed-obsessed Facebook, a company whose motto is literally move fast and break things, for more than 12 years since its early startup days. And two, she has been writing eloquently about her quest to manage her schedule and grow as a leader and a designer on Medium for many, many years now. And I wanted to interview Julie because I find her to be particularly thoughtful about the topic of time and scheduling specifically. One of my favorite quotes from an essay that she wrote is, if you find that you rarely add or decline events to your calendar, it's usually a signal that you're being too passive with how you're spending your time. Which raises the question, how can we be less passive about our schedules and our calendars? How can we reclaim some of that autonomy in how we spend our time? And that's what this conversation is all about. Julie and I talk about the benefits of visualization when you're navigating a busy schedule, how to align what's on your calendar with your priorities, and why you should consider saying no to activities that don't give you energy. Let's get started. I know you did an extensive audit of your calendar last fall when you were on maternity leave. Um, Mm -hmm. And you kind of looked at how you had spent your time over the previous six months at work. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about how you were spending your time that was, you know, either surprising or (laughs) disappointing? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, The reason why I went into the audit in the first place is because I, I sort of felt like, you know, 
I work in tech. I work at Facebook. It's a very fast paced environment. So when I look at my calendar, like day to day or even, you know, week to week, it makes a lot of sense. And it always feels like, oh, there's a lot going on. You know, we are trying to juggle things. And um, oh, but I wanted to understand over a longer period of time, you know, say three months or six months, uh, whether it felt like I was spending enough time on, you know, if you asked me what were the most important things kind of in my job, like, you know, what should I be spending time on, whether that was matching up, because, you know, uh, I manage a large team. And so if you were to ask me what's one of the most important aspects of your job, I would say recruiting, you know, it's talking to candidates, it's spending time, you know, having coffees, interviewing people, talking to people, because like as a manager, like nothing is more important than getting really great people um, and, and, and getting great talent on your team. And so that's like one of the things I would say. And I was just curious, you know, did that line up with actually how I was spending my time over three months, over six months? Uh, So that was basically why I uh, went in and did the audit in the first place. And I did find, you know, there were, there were a lot of things where, you know, I, I knew I had my priorities. I wanted to do a lot of recruiting. I wanted to spend more time kind of on the product and on the design. Um, and I knew that, you know, there's a lot of other aspects of my role, which was, were about kind of operationally, you know, uh, doing things to kind of keep the team running and, and keep the team healthy. Uh, but those were kind of the priorities that I wanted. And so when I did the audit, I actually realized that there were opportunities um, for me to figure out how to spend a little bit less time on the operational part, a little bit more time on recruiting, a little bit more time on the uh, product and the design side. And it was just a more clear way to kind of see that and to start to then think, okay, going forward, what do I need to tweak to make it so that what I say my priorities are and what I'm actually doing, you know, week over week match up. And so what happened when you went back to work? Did you end up using your time differently? I know that, you know, from reading some of the the posts that you wrote about this, that you wanted to spend less time on email and in mm-hmm. meetings, which I'm sure most humans <laughs> would like to do. Um, did that end up working out? Yeah. Uh, and I think my, you know, I told myself too, in six months, I'll, tr- I'll go through and do the audit again and, and kind of see where we are. Um, the things that I ended up changing, I went back with the idea that I would uh, figure out how to, you know, delegate a little bit more of the areas where I felt like other people could step up um, and, you know, take these meetings, run these initiatives, uh, you know, go in and can, kind of take care of a lot of the responsibilities for the team. And so I went back and I found some opportunities to do that. Um, I also, you know, decided to actually uh, talk with our recruiting team and and figure out a strategy for being a little bit more proactive about, you know, uh, talking with candidates, meeting uh, great candidates and making sure that that was kind of a thing that was a thread uh, that was consistent. So every week there was something going on. So it wasn't like, oh, when we're when we have an open role, let's go and, you know, spend a bunch of time interviewing. I wanted that to be a little bit more like it's always, you know, a part of the week. And so are you making that kind of a every six month ritual now kind of doing this audit? Yeah, that's the plan. So we'll go back <laughs> and we'll see where things are. And you know, I, I expect that with all this stuff, you know, with a couple of tweaks here and there, I hope that we're like getting to the right direction. I don't myself and say like, oh, it's by, by doing this now, you know, I have the schedule and everything is perfect and it's exactly how I want. I don't think it, uh, we're quite there yet. Yeah. One, one always hopes. Yeah. But, um, I mean, so how do you end up making sure that you're not overscheduled? I think, you know, one finds when you're kind of in back-to-back meetings all the time, it's really hard to be 
creative or even just to sort of be generous and to Mm -hmm. be present with people. I'm wondering how you, you know, kind of make sure you avoid that or at least attempt to avoid that. And I think a lot of this too has been um, spending a little bit more time trying to understand how I best work and what are the ways that, uh, you know, give me more energy and allow me to be my best. And I, I, a lot of times when I think about, you know, uh, time management or, uh, uh, a lot of this stuff, I kind of find it, it's like, you know, you're, you're almost like playing a little video game. You're like trying to like understand your own psychology at a deep level and then how you could work around that or, you know, create an environment that allows you to, you know, be your best. And so over over the years, I've kind of found these like little, you call them like hacks or little, you know, things about myself that, um, that I realize like I got to just do. And if I do this, then it will help me, you know, and I know these little things are different for everyone. And so it's almost like the game is like, figuring out what it is about yourself and what are the the ways in which you can like figure out the the puzzles to to get you to work your best. And so for me, I have learned that's super important for me in the morning uh, to wake up and to have some time, you know, and it doesn't, it's not a ton of time, but it's like 10 or 15 minutes. And I do this actually when I'm uh, exercising. So I get up and I get on my elliptical and I do this for 10 minutes where I've glanced at my calendar. And then when I'm on the elliptical, I just walk through, you know, every meeting, um, everything that I'm going to be doing that day. And I kind of visualize how I want that, you know, meeting to go. And I, it's sort of strategizing. Okay. So I'm I'm imagining myself in that meeting with that person or doing this task. How do I want that half hour to go? And this is just a small thing that I do. And this has helped me like more than anything else to feel much more prepared for the day. Cause I've almost like run through the scenario. And it's, I just try and visualize how I want to feel in the meeting and like how I want to, you know, come across. Uh, or if there's anything that I really care about, like, what do I want to to have me stand up for in that meeting? Um, and that allows me to kind of go into, you know, each meeting um, and each uh, part of my day with a little bit more intentionality. And um, that's really helped me a lot. Uh, there's also other techniques I do, which is, you know, I try and tell myself, if I'm going to go home, then I'm only going to allow myself, you know, like a half hour on the computer, an hour, depending on, you know, what, what things look like. Um, when I go home, you know, I really try to spend time with my family and my kids and only after they're in bed, do I, you know, get back on the computer. And so it's it's not usually a lot of times. And, you know, before I close my laptop, uh, at the end of the workday, I also then think, okay, if I'm going to have, you know, one hour in front of the computer after the kids are asleep, what do I want to do in that one hour? And I just, I'm like, okay, cool. This is probably what needs to happen. And so then when I'm in front of my computer, I I try and be like super focused just on that task. So a lot of just like planning ahead and visualizing ahead has really helped me, um, you know, just, just feel like a little bit more in control of the schedule. Yeah. I like this idea of kind of visualizing how you're spending your time. I mean, do you find that what's constructive about that. Of course, it's intentionality, but also, I guess, doing it sort of at the top of the day rather than, you know, ad hoc as you're moving along, that then you can be a little bit more focused even when you're kind of rushing from one thing to another. Because I find when you have like back-to-back meetings, it's it's you don't often have just like a even a time or, you know, a couple minutes in between to just think about the next thing. It's like you're just, you know, you're in this thing. Okay, it's time to context switch into the next thing, like right away. And so like, I think doing it during the day or trying to figure that out, um, is a little bit more difficult than just starting at the, you know, start of the day and, and just running through the entire day. 
Right. Sort of figuring out what the dance steps are going to be in advance in terms of contact switching and sort of planning mm -hmm. for it. How, I mean, you're in a, you know, a fairly senior position at Facebook at this point and no doubt, you know, setting a lot of product goals and vision. Do you set aside any time for yourself just to think in order to just really be able to sort of take the long view, which is something that's, you know, super hard to do when you're kind of rushing from one thing to another? I think, uh, I think it's critical. I think, Honestly, you know, when you look back on like, what are the things that I've done that have been, I consider the most impactful, the most meaningful. It's very rarely like a task based thing here or there. It's usually the culmination of like a lot of thinking, a lot of conversation, you know, the ideas just they don't like pop out of nowhere. And then you're like, aha, okay, cool. Now let's go do this, right? It's usually a lot of like building, like the ideas form. They build on it, you build on it, you sort of think about it more, you talk to people, it evolves. And like, that's, that's a lot of how like, you know, a lot of the, the, the biggest um, things that we're able to do for the company uh, come about. And so for me, it is actually super critical for me to like, one of the things, um, you know, when I was doing the, the audit of my calendar, I wanted to make sure there was enough free blocks as well. And I call it thinking time, but it's like time that wasn't scheduled in my calendar where I could actually sit down and uh, write. Writing is a lot of, for me personally, um, how I get my thoughts out and how I, you know, try and untangle a lot of the messiness uh, that's in my head and, and cl clarify it just for myself. So I will just, you know, sit in a room by myself, blank sheet of paper and just try and like, write and through the process of writing, structure my thoughts and get them to a place where I've like, you know, like thinking a little bit more deeply uh, about the problems. And so I, I actually do look to block uh, unstructured, you know, thinking time on my calendar uh, throughout the week. And um, as well, you know, just sometimes like not even in the office, but sometimes, you know, it's like I'm taking a shower or I'm going for a walk and I'll do these things with the intention of, hey, there's a problem and I'd love to just like, you know, stew on a little bit and and think through that problem a little bit more. Uh, and so for me, a lot of like, times exercising, like that's when I'm also thinking about a lot of these problems. Um, and I find that, you know, when you're, when you're like pressuring yourself because you're like, I need something, I need to have like the brilliant insight by, you know, next Tuesday, or when you feel like there's, you know, uh, you just have to do everything in a really short amount of time. It's really, it's really hard to be generative. It's really hard to be creative. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. And I'm, I don't know, I guess you have to resist a little bit this, the pressure to try to even be, you know, necessarily problem solve or be super productive during that time that it should be a little bit more free form. What does your schedule look like now on a day to day level? Like when you go into the office, when you leave the office, that type of thing. So I wake up at around seven. I get into the office at nine. Um, so beforehand, you know, I'll uh, work out like really briefly, you know, spend some time with uh, the kids, feed the baby. Uh, uh, we'll get into the office at around nine o'clock and uh, I will leave the office uh, around six o'clock and be back home around 630. And then we'll have family dinner. Um, and then, you know, all that time is basically devices off, you know, phones like in another room, we're eating dinner with the family. And then, you know, it's time with the kids, uh, where we'll read books, play Legos, you know, watch some videos. Uh, my daughter is really, really into Disney video clips right now. And we're trying to like get her excited so we can go to Disneyland in a couple <laughs> weeks. So very, she's super into Frozen. I don't know how they uh, uh, managed to basically make a, you know, 
the most addictive thing for for toddlers, but they've they've managed it. Uh, so we do a lot of that, and then you know the kids go to bed between eight and eight thirty at night, and then afterwards um, I you know spend another hour, an hour and a half on the computer. And a lot of times this is either you know following on things at work um, or it's just following up on you know home tasks. And then we uh, are getting ready for bed, and we are in bed by eleven. And how does that compare to what your schedule looked like, say, when you started working at Facebook? Oh, uh, yeah. So when I started working at Facebook, uh, Facebook was, you know, a startup at that time. And most of the uh, people working there, uh, myself included, we were all, you know, fresh out of college. And we were uh, definitely keeping a college schedule. And so a, a very, like, this is actually, it's it's sort of crazy for me to think about it now and admit it now. But like a common schedule for us would be we would get into work between noon and like 2 or 3 p.m. And then we would be at the office until basically 4 or 5 (laughs) a.m. the uh, next morning. And then we would go like, you know, I remember like it's very common for us to like walk home. Like the sun was just coming up for the next day, go home like crash, sleep, and then repeat again, wake up in the, uh, the early afternoon. And yeah, that was basically the schedule. We're going to take a quick break now, but keep those earbuds in because Julie and I get into one of my favorite parts of the interview after the jump, the importance of focusing on outcomes in every aspect of your day, from scheduling to setting priorities to offering feedback. This episode is brought to you by WordPress. Now, I know that most of you are probably listening because A, you're strapped for time, or B, you want to carve out more space for meaningful work, or most likely, a little bit of both. But if you're anything like me, it might happen that once you carve out all that beautiful new space for plunging into new endeavors, you think, wait, where do I start? And that's when having the right tools and the right support at your fingertips is super important, especially if you want to create a new online home for a blog or a business or both. And that's where WordPress.com comes in. For the past 10 years, I've used WordPress to build websites, share great content, and create the home base for this very podcast. I happen to think it's a fantastic platform for content creators. And part of the reason that I love WordPress is that you really don't need any experience to set up a website. They will guide you through the process from start to finish. And they take care of the technical side so that it's easy to get your site up and running. Plus, the customer service team is available 24-7 to help you get the most out of your website. Plans start at just $4 per month. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to wordpress.com slash hurry slowly to create your website and find the plan that's right for you. That's wordpress.com slash hurry slowly for 15% off a new website. If you want to be proactive about what you're trying to accomplish, obviously you have to be very clear on what you want to accomplish, how you want to spend your time. What's your kind of personal practice for making sure that you're sort of focused, you know, kind of zooming out and making sure you're clear on kind of what you want to accomplish in the long view? Yeah. um, For me, I just think it's about looking uh, at different time increments and then kind of setting 
an intention or goals or call them what you will um, uh, at those different time increments. So, you know, like for me, like every year, like, you know, New Year's resolutions, I think about like, what do I want to, like, what are some of the big things that I want to accomplish that year? What are some habits or practices that I want to either avoid or get deeper into? Um, So, you know, for me, like thinking about January, it's like a, a new year, new time to, to, you know, think a little bit more um, uh, long-term about the year. Uh, and then all the way down to the, you know, more micro level, which um, as you know, it's like thinking like, okay, wake up, look at the schedule, think about how, what I want to do that day. But then, you know, Sunday nights, Monday mornings, think about that week. So I look a little bit, that's a little bit of a longer, you know, it's a longer arc than the day. It's not quite like year, you know, this, the, the month or the half year, but uh, there's a certain number of things where I'm like, you know, how would I want to feel on Friday evening? You know, like what will I wish that I had accomplished? Like, uh, and if, if I can only do three things out of, you know, 20, what will I hope that those three things are? Like, what's the three most important things? And I, I really try and force myself for every kind of time interval, like to just get in the habit of thinking, well, what in this interval, what's most important, or like in this, you know, weekly interval, what are the three most important things? Um, And, you know, you get different answers when you look at it um, at a day versus a week versus like three months or six months or a year. Um, But they're all valuable. And they all kind of help you, you know, um, be a little bit more proactive. So can I ask you what your three themes were for this year? The first one is just focusing on outcomes. In fact, this year I even tried to make it simple. I was basically like the only thing that I have at the top is just like three words, like outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. And um, what, how I interpret that and what that means to me is to think and frame and talk about the work we do in terms of what we hope it will accomplish. And so outcomes you know, as I think about it in relation to design work is, you know, when we talk about design work, how can we focus it less on like the pixels or like, you know, here's the button and here's the mechanics of the design and more uh, talk about what do we hope people will do when they're introduced with the design? Like, what do we hope will be different about people's uh, actions or their thoughts or, or their, you know, level of comprehension with the design work that we do? And that's, you know, for me, like what it means to be really outcomes oriented in our design work. Um, And then, you know, in everything else um, in, in, you know, uh, as a theme, it's like, you know, when I give feedback, right. um, I want to uh, frame it in terms of like, well, what outcome, you know, am I uh, hoping, you know, for uh, when I say this thing or when I give this particular feedback or when people, you know, um, maybe give me feedback to have me then think about, well, you know, what would it look like? What's like the outcome if I took that feedback and I like, you know, did really awesome. Like what, what should happen as a result and to really look at everything kind of through that lens. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like that has really translated in a sense to the way that you're thinking about how you're spending your time. Right. So kind of taking this very sort of high level view at the beginning of the day, thinking about how you want to feel when certain things happen, how you want to feel at the end of the day, how you want to feel at the end of the week, um, kind of looking at it from like a very outcome-based perspective. Right. Well, what happened is I'll give feedback or somebody will tell me feedback and it's like, you know, be great to, for you to be maybe more assertive or speak up for in meetings. And, you know, I always want to go back to like, well, what, why, like, well, you know, if, if that happened, what then would be different or how would you feel or what would, what would that look like? How would that feel like? And, um, it helps me, you know, to, 
you know, when I hear that sort of feedback to like, to crystallize a little bit more um, in my head, uh, to make it a little bit more concrete and less abstract. Um, and I think I also want to do that for other people, you know, if we're going to talk about everything from, you know, behavioral outcomes, uh, all the way to like design feedback. I guess the way that most of us spend our time these days is incredibly um, disconnected from outcomes in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. It is, as you say, very reactive. Um, I really like, I, I wrote down when I was preparing for this interview, I wrote down this line from one of your pieces that I really liked, which was, if you find that you rarely add or decline events to your calendar, it's usually a signal that you're being too <laughs> passive with how you're spending right. your time. Yeah. yeah. I think about um, that all the time and it's hard, you know, it's hard sometimes to say no. I mean, I don't know if uh, like you have that experience, but for me, like I want to say yes to everything, you know, when people say, Hey, like I would love to, you know, grab coffee or, you know, do whatever. And I want like my initial instinct is like, yes, like I want to do that. Cause I love coffees and I love talking to, you know, and meeting new people and, and doing this, but then I end up feeling just at a certain point, like really overwhelmed. And so I think about that, you know, um, it's not a bad thing to say, Hey, like I'm going to make some calls here. And like, this just isn't something that I really want to add to my calendar. Um, and I'm going to feel better, you know, at the end of the week, if I had that extra time to go and do something else or to think, or to have more time for the actual, you know, three top priorities. Um, and so, yeah, it's like all of these ways to try and, you know, make it easier for me at least to like go in the moment and say, no, like, like, sorry, can't do this thing. Can't do this thing. Going to have to, you know, say no to this person. Right. Well, and it's much easier to say no if you're really clear, right? Because when you mm -hmm. say no, then you're making room to say yes to other things. And if you're mm -hmm. very clear about what you want to say yes to, you know, as you're saying, your sort of three top priorities for the week or the day or even for the year, then it just, I think it's much more clarifying in terms of kind of making you feel empowered to say no, because you understand why you're doing it. Part of it too is like, I think, you know, just as like a person who's growing as like an employee or as a leader, just also understanding which things over time give you energy or help you, you know, uh, do better work um, versus what kinds of things tend to like sap away your energy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's just, and so now I have like, okay, these are the types of things that I know, like, I can do them and I can maybe even do them well or be helpful, but like they set my energy and, and I'm just going to go in, you know, this whole class of things I'm going to say like, no. And one of my learnings for me was like, you know, going and traveling um, and, and taking kind of like a work trip to, and especially if it's like a, a long plane flight is like extremely draining for me. Um, and it, 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 you know, I'll be, it'll sort of like screw up my whole like flow and mojo for like a whole week if I need to fly overseas and, and do that, you know, and, um, and, you know, like a lot of times there are really great opportunities and there are, you know, talks or other things I want to do, but I, I know this about myself. And so I want to go into it, you know, very, uh, uh, clearly. Right. And so when, you know, I get asked to go in and do this or take this work trip or go and like, you know, speak to this group of people, like I, I know that I got to be like extremely, uh, you know, disciplined about what I say yes or no to, because I know that about myself. Like I'm not the kind of person who loves, you know, traveling for work. Yeah. I'm the same actually. Is there, um, anything else that, uh, is going into the, um, class of things to say no to? Um, I think, uh, for me, a lot of just 
things that end up happening um, in the evenings or outside of, uh, you know, general work hours. Um, I know that I, I prefer to kind of generally meet up with people. Like if we're going to have a one-on-one or a meeting, you know, I'd like, I get much more energy if it's in person versus if it's like a call, like, especially if it's like a large conference call, like those things afterwards, I just, I'm like, I never am feel like as effective in like a long conference call than if I'm like in person, you know, with a group of people like sitting around or in a one-on-one um, seeing someone face to face. It's interesting. It's sort of surprising to me, but I like the way they're sort of having this whole conversation about time in a way that it, it's very much about for you, like the things that give you energy and how things make you feel. You know, like kind of trying to make it really palpable, I guess. And, you know, and sometimes too, like I think, you know, growing up and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the border of like introvert, extrovert. Um, but, and I think I've over the years, like become more extroverted, um, you know, sort of shifted a little bit more in that direction. But there are times when like, I I was like, think of like, oh, I feel like a, you know, a big group dinner tonight. And like, that just seems like really you know draining or or tiring like in the hours leading up to it and and but I also know that like it helps me if I kind of just visualize and and have like exercises or or uh you know do things that kind of help me get more jazzed about it right and for a lot of things it's not just like always black or white you know um like a like a group you know let's say it's like a big group networking event uh, can be super fun and super energizing, or it can seem like really draining and, and challenging and, and difficult. And sometimes the the only difference is like my mindset and how I perceive like um, I'm going to spend the time. And some, that's why I go back to like the, the visualization exercise helps me get to the point where I can try and get into the right mindset to appreciate whatever the event is going to be. Now, We've just spent an entire episode talking about scheduling, which is admittedly pretty dorky. But as the writer Annie Dillard famously said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. When we let our calendars run amok with meetings and we let other people dictate what we do with our day, We are literally letting them determine how we are spending our lives. And when you think about scheduling through that lens, reclaiming your autonomy and taking back control of your calendar starts to seem pretty damn important. Which is why I like Julie's approach of connecting her calendar up to the way that she wants to feel. This idea of sort of projecting your emotional body out into the future and asking, How do I want to feel when I walk out of this meeting? Will I feel energized or will I feel depleted if I take on this commitment? And if the answer is, I will feel dead inside after that meeting, then maybe you should reconsider accepting that invitation and instead spend your time on something that will give your workday just a little bit more meaning. Next week, I'll be back with an episode featuring designer, entrepreneur, and adventurer Matthias Correa, who is a longtime collaborator of mine and the co-founder of Behance. We'll be taking a deep dive into the topic of risk-taking and reinvention through the lens of one of Matthias's recent projects, Two Wheels South, 
a six-month-long motorcycle trip from Brooklyn to Patagonia that unfolded over the course of 29,000 kilometers and 13 countries. We'll explore why building the confidence to take new risks is more of a slow burn process than we suspect. We'll dig into the calculus of stepping outside of your comfort zone, and we'll talk about what it feels like to fly over your handlebars at 70 miles per hour. Now, before I go, one final request today. If you've been enjoying the show, I would love it if you left us a review on iTunes. Every review helps us find new listeners and gives us more momentum to keep doing the show. And now it's time for your final moment of Zen. How did you get so into the visualization? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I read it in a book somewhere. You know, I was like, oh, this is a pretty good idea. Like, I should try this, you know. And, and I think, I think it, actually the visualization exercise is about how to prepare yourself for, like, uh, giving a talk. Or, you know, if you want to go into a room and, and feel more confident, one of the suggestions was just kind of visualize yourself. Like, the walk up to the stage, standing up and, like, getting in front of the audience and, like, what that is going to feel like. And imagine the lights. And I just tried it, but then I tried it for a lot of other things and found it really effective. This show was produced by Matt Susich, and our theme song was created by Devin Craig Johnson. If you'd like to be notified when future episodes come out, you can sign up for the Hurry Slowly newsletter, which is a real labor of love curated by yours truly, at our website at hurryslowly.co. That's hurryslowly.co slash newsletter. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember to take your time.